Howdy folks, Cowboy Bob here, coming to you from uh, Oregon. We got a beautiful day here. I mean, it's really pretty. We got sunshine. We got kind of a mess out there because we had, I don't know, maybe three inches. Could have been four spots. Not a lot of snow. Oh, last Tuesday or Wednesday, I guess. I'm not even, I don't even remember. And, uh... It didn't get warm enough to go away for for a few days, and now it's starting to go away. And as it's going away, it's clearing out. It's just making this muck. Oh, my goodness. You talk about mud. Oh, whoo. It's sunshiny, and I'm happy for it, though, and I, I don't mean to sound like a whiner. But it did bring back some memories that happened, I guess, about, oh, that was our first winter here, about five years ago. Uh, we weren't in this place. We were, we were renting a, a a place we thought we were going to buy, um, on the on the uh, river here, and we thought, well, it was really pretty. Had just a few acres. Uh, wasn't a big ranch like this, but you were right across the street from the BLM, so you had plenty of riding room. And it was very interesting. We were new to here. We weren't new to living in cold weather. But we're brand new to problems here that you just don't have other places. What I guess I'm getting about is talking about water. Okay, water rights are a huge deal here. They're a big deal all everywhere out west, as everybody knows. Well, we were lucky. We had a we were right on the river there, and it had a well, which was a very good well, and we got plenty of water, no big complaints. And so they do it differently here. In Oregon, they just put the well house outside and then they run it to the house. And pretty much everybody does that. It's not a big deal. Well, you just don't do it like that in Colorado. Uh, let you know the difference in temperature. It's too friggin' cold to do that. You take and put a, a even a, well insulated well house outside in Colorado in the winter time oh my goodness you know we're talking getting down 30 35 below zero you just can't do that your well's always inside your house usually especially if you have a basement or a garage area that's down below that's where the well always is so we got we get here and he's showing us about the well and you know never been here for a winter had no idea how bad the winters are. I mean, we'd done some research, but you know how that goes. So I'm asking him, I said, now, what should we do in the winter to keep this well from freezing? Because it's about, hmm, I don't know, 10, 15 yards from the house, sitting out by itself. And it was, it did have, it was inside a little building. Now, that building didn't have an ounce of insulation. And he says, well, you just take and put a light bulb in with an extension cord. And when it's cold, you just turn on the light bulb and that'll keep the well from freezing. Well, you know, this is where two knuckleheads are together there. I'm a rookie knucklehead and I'm not understanding that some nights it's going to get really cold here. And that well house has not a Chinaman's chance in hell of surviving. So I, I uh, 
I, but I believed him. He's, I mean, he'd lived here. Well, comes to find out he's from California. Nothing against Californians, but you folks don't know much about cold weather, okay? I lived there a few years. You're experiencing cold weather. Oh, my goodness, it's 25 degrees. Yeah, for what, an hour? So, you know, you don't know anything about cold weather. Yeah, now the ones that live up in, uh, in Tahoe, up there by on the border of Reno, they know about cold weather up there in those mountains. But that's a handful of people. Mo California is a big state with millions and millions of people. Most of them don't know anything about winter. If they do, it's from where, how they lived, where they lived before, not from living in California. So that was my first clue that he didn't have a, he didn't have any idea about it. Well, he just bought this house. He'd never had it through a winter. So he was thinking, he, somebody probably told him, you just turn a light bulb on in there and put it right by the motor and that'll generate enough heat to keep it from freezing. Well, that's a dang stupid thing to do. It's not going to work, okay? But he told me to do that. And like a, like a big dummy, I listened to him. Don't ask me why. I think back on it. Corey and I look at each other, and we just shake our head. How could we have been so stupid? We lived where it was really cold. We knew that couldn't work. Nope. We went right on down the path, and we go out there, and we make sure that light bulb's on every night. And then, of course, you know, guess what happens? We have the coldest winter on record. Isn't that a lovely thing? I believe it got down to 20, 21 below zero here, which I know if you're from like Montana or South Dakota, uh, probably up in the Great Lakes area, you go, well, that's really cold, but that probably wasn't really a record. Well, it was here, folks, okay? We have cold weather here, but when it gets down about 10, we think that's pretty cold. It doesn't hardly ever get below freezing, be below zero. It gets below freezing all the time, but it seldom gets below zero. So it gets down to 20 below zero. And guess what? That motor on that well is frozen solid. Frozen solid. And it is cold. Oh my goodness, it's cold outside. And freezing cold inside. Well, we build up fires and it was nice and toasty inside. But now what are we going to do? We don't have any water. It's totally frozen. And nobody can go out there and work in it in that kind of weather and fix it. And first of all, until it gets a little warmer, you don't know if pipes froze. You got frozen pipes down there. How are you going to keep them from from uh, uh, bursting? So we got a real mess. And we've got horses. Any of you people out there that have horses, you know what I'm talking about. We got a horse that wants to drink. What, seven, eight gallons a day? You got a bunch of them. Oh, my goodness. But here's the good news. You're next to the river. I mean, right on the river. You can walk right off your backyard into the river. So, but now, you know, that Williamson River almost never freezes. But when you get down to 20 below, well, nothing's guaranteed anymore. It could be anything. The river's starting to freeze up on the edges. 
So we're going, what are we going to do? Oh, my goodness, you know. Uh, here, in, uh, it's a more difficult for us. Once again, we're learning how to live in Oregon after living in Colorado. And it's uh, not a terribly big learning curve, but there's things that you got to learn. For example, in Colorado, if I need water, there's water stations. And you go over and they got big, huge tanks and you put a big water, you put a big container in the back of your truck and for like $3, they fill up with 50 gallons of water or 100 gallons. I used to have a 350-gallon water tank to keep it on hand because water, you could run out of water lots of times in Colorado. Well, I didn't know you could run out of water here. So we didn't have any of those water tanks like that. And they're really, I don't know anywhere you could go and get them here. They're all over in Colorado, little stations you go in. They uh, weigh your truck, and then they fill you up with a bunch of water, and then they uh, charge you so much. And actually, it's really pretty inexpensive. Well, there's not anywhere like that here. So we're going, now what are we going to do? Well, we got to keep these pipes in the house from freezing, or they're going to burst. So we crank the heat up, and we're burning wood like you can't believe and then we turn up the heat, and it's a gas heat. It's a, uh, which, no, it wasn't. I take that back. It was electric heat. And people that use electric heat, you understand this. You're never warm. You know, it may be warm, 40 degrees inside the house. It may be 50 degrees in the house. It may be seven. Pardon me. Maybe 70 degrees in the house, but it's always chilly in the house. The air's just always cooler, or at least that's how I feel. So we're cranking up the wood stove, and we're cranking up the heat on the electric. Our electric bill that month, just get ahead of us a little bit, but when I say I turned up the heat on, the, on that electricity, our electric bill was over $800 that month, Okay. So we're talking serious amount of money to keep those pipes from freezing and bursting open, right? So now what? We have to wait. We have to wait until it gets warm enough for, you know, a person to go out there and fix it. Well, that's the landlord's responsibility, and he's going to take care of it, and he assures me of that. And, and skipping ahead, I will tell you, they, he did do that. For as soon as the weather got just a little warmer, they did fix it, and then it was working just fine. But it was about seven or eight days that there was no water in that house. Now, that's kind of an odd thing, you know. You got this 2,200-square-foot 20, 20, log home, all the conveniences, really a nice place, gorgeous view, but no water. How do you live your life without water? So what are we going to do? We have a problem. And we have horses that are drinking water constantly. And we all know they don't drink as much in the winter as they do during the, during the summer season. But they need a lot of water. So the only thing we could think of is, well, there's a river out there right out the back. So we go out. And first thing you have to do is break some ice. And you have to break ice without falling in. Now, that may not sound like much. Like, well, that can't be that hard. Well, there wasn't anything 
the the river flows pretty pretty fast there, and if you just walked out on the river and stepped on that ice, they'd find you down river a little ways because you they'd just suck you right in, and being that cold, I won't say that you couldn't get out, but it wouldn't be easy. We don't live in the old mountain man days where people do that on a routine basis anymore. So we're going now. How are we going to do this? So we take a the heaviest bucket we have. And we put it on a big, long rope. One thing about horse people, we have ropes. Used to in the old days, they were good for hangings for when you caught a cattle thief or a horse thief. But we just have them for chores on the ranch all the time. You you have a horse, you're going to need some rope, I promise. So we go and we get one of them and we take up the heaviest bucket we have. And we toss it out on the from the edge of the bank. We could to- throw it out about... Ah, had to throw about eight, ten feet. Not not real long, not real far. Maybe a little farther than that, but not much. And bounce it on the ice. and Because the ice is thin. You step on it, you go right through it. But hell, when you're throwing a bucket on top of it, you're not really creating much of a dent. You think you are, but you aren't. That ice is just looking at you laughing, going, ha, 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 now what are you going to try? Is that the best you can do? Well... We just kept tossing it and tossing it. Pretty soon, we we made some headway. And it cracks out into a, a pretty good-sized hole. And then you keep going out a little farther back there, toss it a little farther out. Pretty soon, you've opened up a, an area wide enough you can toss a bucket in there. And you can fill it in with water. Now, the first time or two you try to do that, if you're not experienced, or you're just better than I was at it, you toss it out there, and you pull it back in. And, you know, let's say you have a five-gallon five bucket there, uh, all but maybe a half a gallon just dumps right out while you're trying to bring it in. We go, well, that's not going to work. So we get smaller buckets, thinking that would help that problem. And I'm not going to lie here, it did help that problem. <laughs> but it didn't totally go away either. There's a knack. You know, anything you do in life, there's an easy way of doing it, and there's a hard way of doing it. Well, let me tell you, when you're tossing a bucket into the, a river, and you want to fill it with water, and then you have to pull it up and pull it across ice, about, oh, like I say, about 10 feet, 12 feet, pull it across that ice to where you can reach down and grab it and then take it over. And then that's how you have to fill it up. And, you know, you're getting like a half a gallon at a time. I'd like to think it was more, but it really wasn't. So you have to stand there. And the bonus to all this now, it's 10 below zero by now. Hey, it warmed up. It was 20 below at night. Oh, you talk about fun. You've just never lived until you get to do that. Then you have to pull it over to the water trough. You water trough, you have what we call stingers. Uh, it's basically a heater that's in there to keep the water from freezing. you got to make sure that's hooked up properly. But the biggest thing is, is you have to walk and dump that half gallon of water into this 50-gallon tank. That means it's, if you continue at the pace you're going at, it's going to take you 100 tries to fill that up. And that's if you get a half a gallon each time. Sometimes you won't get that much. So you talk about a lot of fun. 
And we're tossing that and we're doing that. And the whole time we're, we're trying to tell ourselves, we really love these horses. Gosh, we love these horses. And we do. Do not misunderstand me. On the other hand, this is a real pain in the butt. And it's cold. I mean, it is so cold. So we go through this and we get this taken care of. And then the landlord comes over and all our neighbors had frozen pipes. We had a frozen wellhead. And it cost him about, I think he told me it cost him about $250 to $300 to replace that. And he was... And then he did free, it was free labor because he and a buddy of his knew how to do it and they fixed it themselves. And he says to me, he says, well, why didn't you uh, insulate it? I said, I asked you about it, if you'll remember. And you're the man that told me that if I just turned on a light bulb and put it next to the motor out there, that it wouldn't freeze. And if you'll notice, there were two light bulbs hooked up out there and it didn't do a bit of good. So after they got that done, then I, I said, I'm going to solve this one forever. So then I went out and I put insulation everywhere. My wife's going, why are we spending our money insulating the pump house? I said, because we're the ones that are inconvenienced. And uh, I just don't want to go through this anymore. So we did do that, and then we wrapped it all up real well, and it it did work out pretty well after that. It <laughs> it it didn't freeze. How's that? And you know, the I guess the moral to that for us has always been one of the reasons we didn't get any more irritated than we did is we felt foolish. Here we came from living in the mountains at ninety four, ninety five hundred feet high, used to that kind of weather all the time. And just listen to somebody from California, nothing against Californians, but listen to a guy from a warm weather climate tell me that all I needed was a light bulb in there to keep my pipe and well uh, pump from freezing. Now, you can rent, you, a person can get mad at somebody like that and you can go, you know, that was just stupid on my, on his part. And it was, okay? But, Here's where you get back to the old cowboy ways on things. It really was me that was stupid. Think about it. <clears throat> yeah, I was dumb to listen. I sh but my goodness gracious. You're going to put a friggin' light bulb on a pump, water pump, outside in a little in a building that didn't have an ounce of insulation? It's uh, just really four walls and a roof around the pump. And you think that's going to keep it from freezing when it gets down that cold. You talk about dumb. So we invested in those little heaters that you uh, put out there. We put a little sp space heater out there. And they got this little electrical coupler that you hook up to it. And that puppy is set where when it gets below 35 degrees, that space heater comes on. And it keeps it nice and toasty in there. And then when it gets above uh, 35, it shuts off. And then uh, I think it shuts off at like 40. And then so, you know, it's great. And your electric bill's not that much. It doesn't, you, you won't even notice it on your electric bill. But most important of all, your pipes won't freeze shut. Boy, was that a nice thing. Let me tell you.
Annette was a funny and great place to live. We we thought about buying it, but the problem was it was we just I just had this urge. I had to own the land. I couldn't just be able to ride in the BLM. It was pretty nice. Uh, would have saved me money over what I have now, but I wouldn't trade it for anything now. But while we were doing that, we had some fun times there. Had a pretty good-sized open pasture there. Uh, it wasn't that big, but, you know, four or five acres. And we would put the horses out, and the horses would go out there, and they'd graze and be having fun. And I have a... I have an interesting dog. His name is Nicky. And he <clears throat> is a jewel in many, many ways. But he, every, everything has a draw, pluses and minuses, just like people, you know. Well, somehow or another, he's part Border Collie and, and Australian Shepherd. He's smart as a whip. But he doesn't like horses. Not yeah, not at all. I'd like to say maybe not, but not but just a little bit. He doesn't see any sense for a horse to be around. Now, I had no idea that he would develop. He would have that personality trait when I got him, but unfortunately, that's how it's worked out. Well, we were kind of concerned about that, but a funny thing happened. He would go out there and he would be chasing them and really being mean to them. And then Corey's horse, Shazani, Shazani's a wonderful, beautiful paint. And she was just, she's such a nice horse. She's part walking, Tennessee walking horse and part quarter horse. Well, one day Shazani's had enough of this. And she's like, I wouldn't say stomping on him, but she's trying to kick him at him with her feet to get him out of there. Well, he doesn't take he takes that as a challenge. So he jumped, reads up. You gotta remember he's only I don't know, twenty he could be two feet tall, I'm not sure. He goes out and he leaps up on the back of the of her by the back of her and he puts his her tail in his mouth and he chomps down. And he's standing there. Well, he's not standing. He's swinging behind her as she's standing there, dangling on her tail. Now, I got to tell you, in one, in one sense, well, two thoughts come to you. It's horrifying. You go, my God, what is he doing to my horse? Get down, you little varmint, you know? And inside you're going, oh, my Lord, that's funny. I never heard of a horse doing such a thing. Well, it wasn't funny to the horse at all. So the horse uh, moves around enough that he can't hold on and he hits the ground. And when he hit the ground, she got him. Let's put it this way. You know, people tell you that uh, dogs don't live as long if they lose one of their eye teeth. I had a lot of people tell me that after this accident. Well, don't believe them. She kicked one of his eye teeth out in two seconds. And after that, they had a new understanding in life. So I, I'd come out there and... He would be out there with them in that pasture. They would be at the far end, and he would he would run up and get about 30 yards from them and lay down and bask in the sun and just stare at them. And if they moved, then he'd get up and he'd move. 
and he'd just stare at them. And he was just as nice and nice. I mean, it was amazing. Well, <clears throat> then after a while, we caught on that he knew each horse's name. So we would be out there and we'd say, you know, it's time. To, let's let's get Shazani in. I want to look at her feet or, you know, brush her, whatever your reason, right? You didn't want to walk to the end of the pasture. I'd just say, Nikki, go get Shazani. Now, I know you're going to say, yeah, right. He would go and he would get that particular horse, Shazani, and herd her up because that's what they'd like to do and bring her back to us. It was the darndest thing I've ever seen in my life. And he, you could do that with any one of the horses. You just tell them the name. Hey, go get me Lacan. And he'd go get Lacan and bring her back. And I, can, for the life of me, could not believe it. I was like, wow, we've got like the world's smartest horse, horse dog. And we didn't even train him. He just did it on his own. And we had fun with that for a long time. And he would go out, get in the pasture, and he would just lay down in the sun and just stare at him on his belly, looking at him, and was a perfect, uh, perfect little gentleman you know, dog. I mean, it was weird. I've never seen anything like it. Well, something happened. I don't know what. Maybe it was the resulting of getting his tooth kicked out. I don't know. Didn't seem like it was quite that soon afterwards, but he started developing a grudge. And he started being angry. And he started always barking at them, chasing them, trying to chew on them on their legs. I can't stop him from it to this day. We've got all these horses, all this land. If you let him out and you don't have the horses in a place with horse fencing so that he can't get in at them, if you just have panels where he can crawl through, that won't work good. He'll be out there chasing your horses all over the place, trying to bite them. Now, what do you do with that? I haven't quite figured it out. We've been trying to deal with it now for the last four years. We went from a dog that loved the horses and loved to hang out with them and be with them to we have a dog that when he sees a horse, all he wants to do is chase that horse and nip at it the whole time. And I wish he wouldn't. And if anybody out there has an idea about it, why don't you, uh, uh, how to break a dog of doing that? I know myself and several other horse friends that have dogs, they chase their horses. If you would send a send an email in to, uh, uh, to me at Heartline Ranch, heartlineranch.com, I would sure appreciate it because I'm open to learning. We, I have tried all kinds of things and nothing has ever worked. Now they make shock collars and people I've had people tell me, hey, put a shock put a shock collar around his neck and use that. When he gets near the horses or starts barking, you shock him. Well, that seemed kind of mean to me, but I didn't say anything. My wife was really pushing for it for a while. Till we talked to some people that said, you know, when you have a dog that's as stubborn as that, if you use that shock collar, you're gonna probably damage that that dog will get get damaged because he'll you'll just you'll always be using the shock collar and pretty soon it'll take a toll on him. So we now have all these horses and then we have Nikki, the dog hating 
the, the horse-hating dog. I have no idea how that happened. <laughs> Anyhow, I just thought you guys would get a kick out of what winter can be like, even here. We're looking outside today, and it's just bright and sunny. Oh, it's a mess, though. Oh, my goodness. You know, the snow's melted, and then at night it gets below freezing, and then everything freezes, it turns to ice and freezes. Then the sun comes out, melts everything right now, and it's just a mess. It's a mess. Now, I'm hopeful. It's supposed to be warm. and Warm, warm. okay. Let me, let's define warm for folks that live in warm climates versus our climate. Warm right now is anything in the 40s, and we're supposed to have three days of that. If that dries it out a little bit, I'm going to go on a ride and uh, test out our trails again. I just can't wait to ride. Anyhow, I'd like to say thank you to everybody for listening. Now, I'm going to get into a little more detail of some of the trials and tribulations of a, a cowboy living on a ranch with two broken wrists and two, two casts. Uh, next episode, we'll talk about that some. And Those of you that are laughing, I understand. It seems funny to me now, but not so much then. Anyhow, this is uh, ad adios till we meet again for Cowboy Bob.